Do you guys like tires? I hope you do, because that's what we are going to do a deep nerd out about on today's live stream. Uh, super stoked about our guests. We've got the uh, dynamic duo behind Ultra Dynamico Tires, uh, Ron, he goes under many names, and his business partner, Patrick. And we're going to go deep into you know why tires, about the whole process, and why you should make the, the, the Ultra Dynamico choice. So welcome to the live stream, Ron and Patrick. <laughs> hey, Gentle guys. tidings, Russell. Thank you. It's good to be here. <clears throat> so tell us a little bit about your backdrop there, Ron. This is a... This is the the house that tires built, huh? Oh, it's a simple cottage in the country, Connecticut. Perhaps you've heard of it. Um, yeah, it's just a little. Yeah, no, this is just this is the place that we built right next to our factory, which uh, um, is on a steady. Just you know, ever since uh, Trump, um, you know, lifted a bunch of those uh, EPA restrictions, we're able to just dump the waste right into Long Island Sound. <laughs> um, and with the spoils. You have this, um, so I'd say it paid off. Cool the tire tire yeah. business that is. Yeah, and uh, Patrick, where are you uh, conferencing in from? I'm in the service course in Portland, Oregon. That's where yeah. we do all of our shipping, a lot of our testing. You know, Bennett is fond of these 15 mile picnic jaunts, but the real testing goes on out here. We do a little <laughs> bit more than. I don't like, ago. yeah, I don't like to break a sweat. I just like to glisten. That's right. <laughs> 15 miles is good enough. So let's talk about how you guys started uh, Ultra Dynamico. Whose idea was it? And, you know, what was the conversation like before launching the brand? Well, well um, sh shall I start, Pats? You go for it, Benedict. Okay. First off, you've got to you start respecting me and calling me by my Christian name. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ron. <laughs> Um, well, uh, for years now, um, well, I should say we, we could go back 20 years being only 21. I know that's a uh, hard for many of you to, to conceptualize, but as a very small boy, I was, um, uh, you know, nineties mountain biking was really popping off and the tires were hot. You had front and rear specifics. You had all these cool, different brands out there. You had different compounds. You had all sorts of different casings and who knows if any of them worked well it was just all about looks you know we had some nice high fashion tire brands and everything was real cottage industry and really um i don't know you, were, you still felt really connected to the tire maker and the tire designer that happened with a lot of components in the mid 90s and the mountain bike boom uh, fast forward to um our my road racing days that's when pats and i met um, tires were uh, something that we really, thread counts in particular, and how high we could pump up our Vittorio Open Corsas was really uh, um, what we bonded over first. It was, can, are you into 100, 150 PSI? Well, I am too. Let's go, uh, <laughs> let's go fast. Let's go, let's go fast, baby. Let's just, let's just wear bibs, just bibs. That's all we would wear. Yeah. Like wrestlers, wrestlers, and let's go fast. And uh, so, you know, from a very, very early on, Pats and I bonded over, over tires. This is, you know, 2006 or so. Uh, fast forward a little bit more. Um, I, I become um, a bicycle cultural attache. Um, uh, and I am able to, to uh, get some, some things moving and have some of my own products, some of my own components. Uh, and, uh, you know, tires were one thing that always eluded me something I always wanted desperately, desperately. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, yeah. we've all, we all, we all got into, I think we all got into really nice tires through, um, you know, me personally, it was Peter Weigel, uh, who happens to live, uh, has a cottage much like, much like this, just um, actually <laughs> 15 miles away. Um, excuse me. And so he uh, has been a, a, a good friend of, of mine for a number of years and watching him shave down uh, Grand Bois etras and uh you know i just thought that was the coolest and i had to try that 650b thing you know and and so i i, I got my first set around uh 2011 perhaps and uh never looked back and i was all about going high volume low tire pressure and cornering hard and, and just feeling you know being able to go out on a bike and just um, not have to worry about the terrain out there because you knew you had a tire that can handle it all uh mm -hmm. so Pat, I'm taking all your time here, Pats, but I, I'm I on a mind. roll. I'm I, on a roll. You're feeling good. I, I can see it. Just continue. <laughs> um, Pats, you know, Pats really played the lottery well. He married up. And 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 with that money, he bought Amgen stock. And if anybody, if people remember, Amgen was a big, uh, you know, the tour of California, of course. But prior to that, they were the ones that were pumping Lance Armstrong full of EPO. Okay. And not just Lance Armstrong, as we know, this current state of professional road cycling, everybody. <laughs> now, no one's, everyone's doing it. They're doing it in secret and everything's real boring. But we're talking about the heyday when doping was the coolest thing you could do. Oh, we did it. All right. So, so you, you, so, uh, so with that Amgen money, Patrick cashed it out, cash infusion into an account called Ultra Dynamico. Uh, two best friends. You know making some tires uh so what, i didn't have to I, put up the capital it was all that amgen money that's and, key uh, that's key that's key <laughs> so I, I guess what what's uh what was missing in the the current tire market that Good you wanted question, to Russ. fill with with your your tires um you know we wanted something that was uh, a 650b by 48 with some knobs um, we wanted something that was a little shallower knob than what, uh, Renee Hurst was offering at the time. We, I, we've always been huge fans of their tires. Um, we ran them for years and still run them on, on bikes all the time, but we wanted something that was a little bit shallower. We had this vision of this tire that was like equally at home on the road and then like hard pack, you know, we didn't want like a mud centered tire, which, um, and so with that idea, we were just like let's, why isn't this out there? And it took us a couple of years of just waiting to see it. We were like, when is this going to come out? When's Jan going to do it? When's it going to come out? When are we going to see this tire? And it just never materialized. And then finally, you know, I was talking to Benedict one day on the phone and I was just so frustrated. And I think we, he was like, well, I bet we can figure it out. Like, we, let's just, we should just do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, at the time I didn't realize it takes you know, over a year to get something made overseas, you know what I mean? And we had, we had a couple of contacts through Ron, but, um, you know, there's a, it's a pretty, pretty massive endeavor to like have something made over there. And, um, you know, you make a lot of mistakes in the process and, um, but overall it was super, super fun, like such a fun learning process and it was expensive, but it was also like reasonable, you know, like a reasonable risk for us and what our whole, expense her whole thing was like, like if we only end up with, with like 
the minimum round of tires and we can sell them and break even. And just, we end up with like a stack of tires that we end up riding every day for the rest of our lives. We're, we're okay with that. (laughs) So basically at the time I had like a two-year-old and I, I looked, I looked at him and I thought, this one's not, not going to college. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, kid. I don't need that. So I took the college money set aside. I took the Amgen stock. I cashed it in. And then we, we got together with um, basically a notepad and some pens and started drawing tread designs and talking about what we wanted. And, you know, we, Bennings and I have been really close for a long time. And, and a lot of what he started telling you is true. A lot of it is a stretch, but it's still, it's still true. Still true. But uh, we've been talking about tires for years and years and years. And, and like, that was one of the things on bikes that we, we always would, we would always talk about when we got a new set, we would compare mm. them. You know, he and I are like, we're the exact same height. We're close to the same weight. My, we have the same nose for rubber. My hairline's a little better. My mustache <laughs> is a little better. His beard is better. <laughs> but, you know, we're a good, we, we ride the same size bikes. We have the same size right. shoes. So we've always compared things and we've always right. kind of been into similar, similar types mm-hmm. of bikes. He, yeah. he came from a mountain biking background as a kid. I came from a BMX bike background, but we kind of like met in this like road bike phase that we both kind of like. I mean, he'd ridden road bikes before, but I got into him right when I met him, and we just yeah. he shaved. Was, Patrick, was this Patrick shaved in, his legs for the first time on my dad's deck. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I shaved my legs for the first time on on Captain Pete's deck. Yeah, he was harassing me the entire time. Yeah, sprayed him with water. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you so, doing, you idiot? So I'm I'm cleaning him up here, Dad. <laughs> That's true. So what what did you guys base the tread around? Did you have, you know, were there tires that you really liked and you're like, oh, if we took this tire and made this change, it would be better? Or did you start like car? Yeah. We had we had a number of tires that we had always liked the way they rode and like just profile like just profiles and heights of knobs that we had we had kind of been measuring knob heights and comparing and comparing ride qualities and talking about them and we knew like the type of casing that we wanted. We knew the qualities that we wanted in the casing. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, I think, the... I think we had a really, that's what, you know, we, we don't have a scientific background, but we also, we have ridden bikes like every day of our lives for our whole lives. So we had, mm-hmm. we had like a, the one, the only thing I'll say, the only thing we had going for us is just like pure <laughs> amount of time that we have ridden bikes and like, yeah. And studied, which I, which, you studied, know, studied them, you know what I mean? Which is, which is who I want to, you know, that's who I want making my products. You know, yeah. it's, it's, there's a, there's been a certain disconnect, I think in the modern age of cycling between the maker and the, and, you know, and what you get out of the box. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, again, hearkening back to the mid nineties, the golden age of mountain biking, mountain biking was, you know, a relatively new thing. And it was taking the world by storm, much like something else that's going on right now. And I'm not talking about the coronavirus. Uh, uh, and so, you know, there's 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 a there's a really nice there's a real nice opening for for these smaller brands to exist and have direct marketing. You know, whereas we don't have right. to 
um, you know, as, as, you know, we don't have to appease to a catalog or like get on mountain bike action or something, or like pay for advertising spaces and places. Cause you know, you could do that all on your own now. So, um, what I think is really cool about being able to start a, you know, you know, making sure that Patrick's son doesn't go to college, <laughs> but we're able to, with that money, you know, start up a small tire company and have it be rider driven and rider designed. And, you know, Patrick and I, um, you know, we live cycling and uh, um, we ride bikes every single day and we're riding our tires every single day. And um, it takes us, you know, being into tires that long and trying all these different, all these different tires throughout the years um, and having a, having opinions on them, which is very important. You know, uh, when you ride that much, you just can't ignore the equipment. And, uh, um, you know, there's a certain 650B was something that I've thought for, for many years now is without a doubt, the optimum tire size for gravel riding, mixed terrain riding and dirt road mm -hmm. riding, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, mountain bikes, 29 all the, all the way, but you know, gravel bikes, you want to have that high volume 650B tire. And stuff out there that we wanted to ride didn't quite exist, you know. Of course, you have your, you know, you have your big brands like Maxis and WTB with their huge garish um, labeling on the sides yeah. and uh, their ugly tread patterns. Not saying they're all ugly, but they're not necessarily our aesthetic, you know. And so to have a tire that not only performs well, but looks good, um, you know, you're going through this, you know, picture yourself uh, putting together like a a custom build like this is your forever bike like you've meticulously handpicked everything on the build right you know right down to color color matching your uh you know your cable ends you know and uh and then you're putting on a tire that says maxis like this big you know <laughs> like like, like, <laughs> like it, 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 something it seriously drove us i can't tell you how many crazy. conversations we had we were like this is insane that this stuff looks so bad. It's so, so ugly. bad. Like yeah. right. it was like, so it's really, you know, when it comes to, uh, Rennie Earth does a great job, you He's know, minimally amazing. branded. Um, uh, you know, we, we would like to think that we compliment his, um, you know, yeah. what he has out there. Uh, right. we're going to leave more of like the slick road type stuff for him. I, I know I won't ride, you know, I won't ride a bike without knobs and have it not be Rennie Earth. So, you know, the, anything, anything, le once you get used to our casings and his casings and the way the tires are thought out, I, there's no going back. You don't go back and just yeah. be like, you know, I, I, WTB and Maxis and that's like, that's like running SRAM, you know, you just don't care. You know, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about casings really quick. Like when you, when you guys, you know, so you have a tire design, what was your, what were your options in terms of casing and why did you choose the one that you well, guys went how, with? How high can you count, Russ? <laughs> That's it. That's on a good day. <laughs> on a good day. We're talking Egyptian cotton here. Oh wow. <laughs> we we um <laughs> do you want to field this question? Sure. You know, there's, that's the, that's, that was one of the most fun parts about this whole, you know, you, 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 you send an email in the dark to Panaracer um, and a carrier pigeon takes it to Japan. <laughs> and uh, uh, deciphers it, and and before and a, a month later, they email you back. Yeah. Uh, and and um, you know, it was it, what they 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 once we were in the door, and they realized that we didn't want to just copy. They say that they get a lot of people that just want to. There's a lot of um, open source tread patterns out there. Excuse me, if you haven't noticed, where you can 
a lot of these like uh, cheaper tire manufacturers just take a tire that's already existed. Or I shouldn't say cheaper, just less inventive. Takes a tire that already exists and just has it remade. Yes. Um, and uh, and so once they realized that we didn't want to do that, we wanted to start from scratch and design our own tires. Um, we were in the door and they presented us with uh, just a, a, a plethora of options as far as our tread compounds, our, our casings, our thread counts, our beads, um, you know, the list goes on and on. It was extremely custom, and, customizable. And, and they are, they are, they will, they don't share what mm -hmm. Renee Hearst is doing. They don't share what mm -hmm. the other brands that they work with do. You, it's, it's a process just with their engineers and, you know, and then that's when the testing came in and we would, we, you know, Bennings and I are in agreement on what we wanted before we even sent the email, you know? Um, so it was pretty easy for us to narrow down what we wanted. And then we worked with them on certain, certain things. And then we just started getting first batches of prototypes and making small changes. And um, what's, yeah. what's the difference between a, like a, a good casing and a bad casing? Just well, you Go want ahead. this one, Pat's? Okay, I'll. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I can jump in. It's hard. It's hard right. to jump in over here, but yeah. I mean, to me, it's just a, a smoothness, like uh, kind of like a. I don't want to name names here, but you know, you know, a dead tire when you feel it. It just feels kind of sluggish. Um, gator skin, like a gate, like uh, a continental gator skin. Gator skin. Or like Reset those old, it. those old like specialized <laughs> armadillos that were like red sidewalls. That were like mm -hmm. so brutal, like you know, I mean, it, co it, it completely makes sense when you think of it, you know. And and Patrick and I rode 150 psi on Texas Chip and Seal, yeah. uh, you know, we we on aluminum bikes. We know, <laughs> we know what feedback. We know feedback. Yeah, major. <laughs> we're talking major feedback. <laughs> I'm, surpri I'm surprised you guys can feel anything at this point. <laughs> but even even yeah. on like a even on a larger tire with a really stiff casing. Um, like a super puncture protected casing, right? It just doesn't like to me the grip, especially off road. Like you notice that it doesn't. It, I don't know. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like grab the ground as easy. It just doesn't flex whenever you hit roots or bumps or rocks or whatever. And it just is like a harsher ride, off road. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and and being with a mountain bike background, um, you know, we were always about you know even in pre-tubeless days it was all about running latex tubes uh um you know and being able to you know talking your tires so that the tube can squirm inside it you know all these funky mm -hmm. tricks that we had and having a tire that um you know you're running a rigid mountain bike and even so back then maybe you had like you know 30 millimeters of usable travel the 20 the extra 20 didn't really work and you're you're so you're you're um you're always too and these tires were not no bigger than i i love riding these my home my home trails uh, after i leave the gilded gates and be able to <laughs> and be able to i'm still riding the same trails that i rode as a teenager in the mid 90s and it's i mean as a one-year-old and uh and so the um uh uh and it's incredible to feel like I'm riding them on our tires, which are um, in effect actually larger, a more capable mountain bike tire than the most state-of-the-art mountain bike tire back in the day. You know, say like a 1.9 Richie Z Max or something, which is what I would have run. And it's incredible to to you know, you're like, wow, tire pressure was so important back then, but it's so important now. And just having that tire 
um, be your suspension. You know, it's your, it's, it's your connection. It's your contact patch. It's the most important part of the bike, you know? And, And so if you're, it's, it's, tuning that in to your riding style and, and realizing, you know, knowing that you have a, a light tire that you can't just, you know, run into things that you got to dance around a little bit, you know, yeah. and, and just, just feel the motion of the trail and be light on your feet and just, you know, be light on the trail. Cause you have a tire that's as soft as a baby's butt. And, and, I, uh, and I would say even on the road to me, like I notice a casing, even on the road, it just, it just, it just feels so much smoother. It's like the, all the, the little vibrations are gone when you've got a heavier, thicker protected casing that doesn't flex. You just, I just feel like I notice all of those vibrations a lot more and, and Mm -hmm. uh, you're more sore at the end of the ride. So, yeah. So I'm a big fan of 650B and it sounds like you guys are as well. Why do you think the bike industry has been so slow to adopt it? Well, Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I just think everybody has the 700 wheel size was just pumped into everyone for so long. And it's just, it's tough to get people to buy a whole new wheel set, you know? Mm-hmm. And until these bikes start coming specced with the 650s, which this last season, I think you're starting to see the major, the major brands starting to spec some of them with 650 wheels. Mm-hmm. I think until that like fully comes through, people aren't going to try it. I, like everybody that I know that has tried them, is just like, yeah, this is superior. This is great. The bike feels great. But um, I think until the masses see them on, you know, stock specialized and stuff, it's going to be. Know, a- what I really think, what I really think it is, is we have a very, um, you know, gravel just in the, in the, in the essence of the term gravel, which is, what does that bring up? Dirty Kanza essentially um you have a uh um if the participants of a of an event like that are post roadies right they're coming they're like they are they're just they're they've become disenchanted with uh training doing intervals on a feeder road mm-hmm. uh dodging cars left and right and they're just they've they're just dipping their toes in this little gravel thing but they're still they're still approaching gravel with, with the way that they approach the road, which is yeah. pace lines going fast, um, you know, uh, uh, um, running 700 by 30, 700 by 38 is the mark of a post roadie. Like that is, <laughs> uh, you know, that is the mark. <laughs> if you're running 700 by 35, you can't even be considered a post roadie. You're still a roadie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, and so, um, you know, you're still, you're, you know, you're, uh, you may, you may still, you may have zerts on your bike, something yeah. like that, you know, and, and, you know, you're just, you're just, uh, dipping your toe in and, and 650, 650B to me. And I know to Patrick too, and not to be elitist here, but we are, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> don't it's hide the next, it. It's, the, it's, it's maybe three or four steps beyond that 700 by 38, you know, you, you, you sure, you know, like those mid, those Midwestern gravel races are great. And, you know, like, um, mid South, for example, uh, that's a great race has a great feel to it and everything, but you know, uh, a lot of these, these races out there don't have a lot of elevation gain. Don't have a lot of, uh, real heavy duty chunk, uh, single track, uh, you know, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the other elements that you're going to, that I like to, for, 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 um, you know, for the most part, like to experience on my rides. Like, I don't like to, you know, if you, you know, I don't like to just, you know, 
be I like a dynamic choice out there. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to be able to do everything. Yeah. And so that's what 650B is to me. It gives you more options out there, you know, yeah. comfortably. Yeah. Sure. You I, could ride a 700 by 38 on just about anything if you're a good enough rider, but. I, mean, I, I will say, I will interrupt Ron here to say that we are, we are going to have a 700 tire coming. We sold out in June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sold out. <laughs> 700 got, by, by what size? It's 42 point, who knows? Question mark, uh, question mark. Question mark. Um, but I've been running it. I've been running the prototypes for a, for a little while now. And I, and I actually really like it. It surprised me. It's, um, it's, a, it's a 700 version of our Kava tread. And, and um, it's a fun size. I like that. I think that that 42 millimeter width is a really good width. Um, it's really nice. So yeah, we'll have those coming for those mm-hmm. people that are diehard 700 folks. So- Speaking of choices, you guys have two two distinct tire lines, right? Cava and is it rose or rose? <laughs> it's a rose. It's a rose. So what? Uh, what? Who's the writer for each of those tires? Ooh. Oh yeah. Well, you know the the rose was our first tire, and that was all about, um, of course, as Patrick uh, explained early on, we wanted it to be a fast rolling knobby tire essentially like a but i wanted it to have you know we really wanted it to be able to corner you know and i i in my testing uh a number of different tires in tucson and uh years ago when um i was doing these these ill-advised long rides uh so solo <laughs> 16 17 milers <laughs> yeah i was i was actually sweating not glistening and uh uh I, you know you, you uh um I've tried, I tried, you know, two slicks, a slick with a, with a knobby front, uh, two knobbies and, you know, a bunch of different sizes, 26, 650B. And I would, uh, I was, I was sponsored by Specialized at the time. So I had unlimited S-Works tires, which are, I mean, if you want to support Specialized, they are really nice tires. They don't necessarily yeah. look that great, but they're very, very good. Um, and so it, I was very, it, it was a nice benchmark to, to kind of like, to kind of compare your tires to, because you know that they have unlimited resources as far as engineering money goes. So um, I kind of use that as a benchmark when it comes to knobs and kind of feeling what different knobs did and, and uh, the reactions of different tire pressures and, and do, on these I'm, as you know, in Tucson, you have a lot of different terrain. You have some real loose, like kitty litter gravel, some hard pack, uh, real chunky stuff, some you know exposed limestone, slicing your tires left and right if you don't pay attention. And so, uh, um, you know, I I wanted we I, something that rolled and was able to corner hard because I you know I realized that you know it doesn't matter how low you run your rat trap passes. Uh, they, they, you run them at 20 PSI, you hit a cor- a loose corner hard, you're going down, you know? And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, contrary to, um, what I, I feel, I don't like to say bad things about Jan because I do look up to him as a, as somewhat of a, a German God. Um, and <laughs> he is a, he's uh, a but, hero, he's a hero. hero. <laughs> uh, but you know, he, he says that, uh, um, knobs don't necessarily matter on gravel and I can't disagree more. Uh, maybe, maybe in wet conditions when, uh, you know, you have a little bit more tack in the dirt, but, uh, you know, I'm, for the most part, uh, um, you know, a lot of people out West are riding some really, uh, uh you know, sketchy gravel stuff that you lose traction on almost immediately once you hit the brakes. And so, uh, so yeah, it was important that we had some, 
uh, purchase on there and a more aggressive side knob once you do start rolling it over. And once we got those first samples with the rosé and, you know, took them out and did my standard test in, in Tucson and Connecticut. And, um, you know, I was, I couldn't believe that we hit the mark, you know, it's kind of like a, one of those things where you just don't really know until after you've already spent the money on the mold and they send you the tire. <laughs> I, I will say, um, you know, your, your question was a great question, Russ. And, and our original goal was to have this one tire that could kind of was more dirt focused and was, was primarily a dirt tire that ran fast enough on, on the road to where it was still efficient enough to not be a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also like, as soon as we started the process with them, we were, I wouldn't say as soon, like maybe three or four months in, we were, we were doing all this hard work on, on developing the casing with them. And, and we had had the tread from the first email, you know, so we had spent most of the time at that point developing the, the casing. And it just made sense to us to start thinking ahead to like, well, if, if we can sell enough of these tires to make up this mold, this enormous mold cost, <laughs> what's next. And, and it was kind of something that we had also always done and talked about, which was, you know, kind of <clears throat> combining different styles of tire on one bike. So, you know, coming from a BMX background, that was something that like you just always did. You had a dirt, a dirt, like a, a shallow knob up front for the days you were at the trails. And then you had a kind of a little bit more of a slick for when you rode street or when you rode ramp. And so, you know, that was always apparent to me. And I was always confused in the road world why everybody just rode the same tires front and rear. I was like, well, I, I guess that makes sense. But, <laughs> but you know, talking with Benedict, he's like, yeah, we combined tires mountain biking all the time when I was growing up. And so for us, that was a, that became a huge kind of talking point. And like, why isn't anybody kind of promoting this and doing this, you know, kind of mixing tires and having like, you know, not a tire system, but essentially mm -hmm. something that works well together. So you can mix, yeah. make the match and aesthetically they still look really good together. So that's when right. we started developing that second tire was a few months into the process of the first one with that in mind, like we, we knew certain characteristics that we wanted to work, you know, together with the, the rosé and that knob up front. And, and we kind of worked towards having, you know, a, like a file tread that was a little bit of grip. Um, if you ran them, you know, front and rear, but was, was, you know, optimal as a rear tire, if you wanted to run the knob up front, um, mm -hmm. if you were doing more road miles than you were gravel. And so we, we kind of looked at it in that, in that regard, when we, we started working on them and, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the second tire came a lot faster. We, we had the idea for, I mean, the treads really basic and really simple. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just been fun to ride them together and to kind of like, we've had a lot of people email us and ask us about running that we call it the mullet setup, and, mm -hmm. and, um, it's been fun to kind of introduce people to that concept mm -hmm. and, and we get, we actually do get a lot of emails asking like, Hey, I live in this kind of terrain. And what do you think? I write about this percentage of gravel versus road. And, and I, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to mix and match them because we got, we have tires that work, work well when you double up on them, you know, a cava front, cava rear, rosé front, rosé rear, front, rosé rear, but you have, uh, you have, you know, they also work together. So it's, it's a, in a way you have all these different options of, of whatever terrain you want to ride. And, and, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't, you know, don't factor that in. If you're, when you're riding your normal tires, you, you notice how much quickly 
how much quicker your rear tire wears out. That's for a reason because most of your weight is over the rear tire most of the ride. It's only when you're braking does your front tire come into, you know, does does your front tire really bite in if you have knobs. And so right. you could run you could run a knobbier front and not really, you know, you maybe, you know, you're not going to cut down on your rolling resistance all that much. Uh, and then when it comes time to brake, which is when you really want traction, um, uh, you know, you really want traction when you're braking, especially at speeds. Uh, and so, you know, uh, was it 90% of your braking, 80% of your braking? We have to ask our scientists, uh, are, <laughs> is done on, is done with the front wheel, you know, yeah. is all your, all your, all your momentum just heaves forward. And so, and, and you're cornering, like when you're cornering on gravel, hard cornering and you're, when you're, you know, when you grab the front brake and just feather it a little bit, if you're running a rosé in the front, it's going to grab. Uh, yeah. so, um, uh, if you're running a cob on the front, it's going to massage. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious what, um, what tire pressures do you guys personally run? Like assuming six fifty, you're riding the six fifty B versions. I'm I'm around twenty two, twenty twenty two, like twenty in the front, twenty two in the rear. It just kind of around there. Mm, yeah, it's, it, it's, nice, it's nice to experiment how low you can go. Yeah, uh, of course you do. You do lose a little bit. You know, you do. Uh, depending upon what rim you're using, it's gonna fold yeah, over. Yeah, depends on the rim. I've got yeah, yeah. I've got um, a pretty wide set of rims on, on one of my bikes. And then on the other set, I've got a little bit narrower and I go a little harder for that set for sure. Yeah. But now yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right about at the, at the same 20, 20, 25, 30, 30 rear, 25 front for me. I, I run narrower rims cause I only believe in rim brakes now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you guys were, when you guys were designing the tread, like, is there like tread CAD or did you just draw them in the napkin and send it? Oh, no, we drew it. Yeah. We drew it on with pencil, pencil yeah. on, uh, on, um, <laughs> on, um, yeah. Graph paper. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Pencil and graph paper. We, we're, we're designing a mountain bike tire right now that, uh, that Randall Sklar of, of, of dangle bongs, uh, is, uh, <laughs> is helping is us actually, work. actually doing it in CAD. So we, we sent him, I we sent him the drawings with the crayons and such, and he put it into the CAD. <laughs> yeah. We had, I, I should, I should say that we, we drew it on paper and talked through a number of different iterations of that graph paper. And then, and then I have a, a friend of mine who, who has a little bit of CAD background. And so I sent it to him and he gave me a couple of rough, rough stuff to send it to, to japan and um mm -hmm. i think they respect i think the japanese engineers really respected our our effort <laughs> but there was um they might have led us down the wrong path it's you know could have added a few months we're not sure yeah. <laughs> might have been better off we might have just sent the graph paper and and but it, you know, yeah, yeah. In, in the in the end, we got exactly what we wanted, we did. which is remarkable. When you we when did. you send in when you send in that the crayons and graph paper, you know, <laughs> and and give them several tens of thousands of dollars later, you have. <laughs> yeah, it it is. I mean, that I'm telling you, the thing that's the thing that has been to me the most fun is like all the different feelings of man, this is insane. I can't believe this is happening. Moments <laughs> that we've had. Like yeah. the, the first one was like receiving this. I have the, actually have the envelope right here. This envelope from Japan, this like really cool old Manila Panaracer envelope. Yeah. From Japan. And we've, been, we've been riding Panaracer tires for over 20 years. So this, this is just like a, you know, 
we're so huge you know, Panda Racer fans. So you get this envelope with this rubber sample in it, like a little huh. like swath of rubber, basically. And then, mm. and then the next one is like a schematic and like each one, like you're, and then when we got the prototypes in, I was just like, I, this is unreal. I can't believe. And, but that was the moment of truth. Like, okay, here we go. Mm. Like mm-hmm. we've already dumped so much money and time into this. Like, and it was pouring rain, Russ, like <laughs> dumping rain here, cold, like, like typical Portland kind of winter. And I just, of course, mounted them up instantly, took them out, had to ride, had to ride trail with them. So it was just like all slop. I'm just riding for like two hours in the slop. I come back in the dark and I'm just completely head to toe in mud, just covered. And I'm like, well, they shed mud. (laughs) But those moments of just like, of like, I can't believe this is, I can't believe we did this. Like, and then when the the first order landed, it was just, it was insane. Like, Mm -hmm. like, what are we how are we gonna opening uh, up just boxes uh, boxes, boxes of tires tires everywhere tires <laughs> scrooge and, and, mcduck swimming in yeah, tires swimming and swimming in that yeah oh my god swimming in egyptian cotton yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just you know being like you know being a uh a tire fan first and foremost to actually and all of the designers that i've respected you know, as many people, I guess, I suppose, who are listening to, you know, bicycles and, and, uh, and the, the tech aspect of bicycles, the build, uh, to me, that's even more interesting than actually riding. And so, uh, <laughs> and so to have, you know, to, to, and, and a tire is something that's so final, right? That's not something that you could just go down to your basement and make, you know? Right. And so, and so to, to have this, dream with your best friend for years and years and years finally be like hey should we do this and we do it and you go through and you have your such your very humble beginnings with the with the crayons and graph paper and all of a sudden <laughs> you've got a room with hundreds and hundreds of tires that you it's, designed it's, it's uh, so i mean crazy. that that's euphoria yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's something better than that i don't well know. the thing the, the and then to be part. able to afford this afterwards yeah <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the best, the best, I would say the thing that was a topper to seeing all those tires and Scrooge McDucking was, was actually going to the factory in Japan. That's cool. Spending like the whole day, like touring the factory, seeing the tires being made mm-hmm. and like just in the room with, with the engineering team and like the, the production, like the factory manager who'd been there for 25 years, like, you know, like just meeting all of them and and talking to them and getting like insights into kind of, cause we'd just been emailing with them for well over a year, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. uh, like thousands of emails, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, So having gone through the process, if you were to do it again, would you do anything different? You know, I said, it's funny. I said for a long time, I, I, I wished that we had gone immediately to Japan and met everybody. Cause then I think that might've sped the process up a little bit, but at the same time, like now having been there and, and, and visited, I'm glad that we went when we did because we had this, we had a year's worth of really intimate knowledge of like, of what was going on and how it worked. And so when we were there, we, we had great questions. I felt like we had a really good basis of knowledge to ask them really good direct questions. And then, So the experience was like, we kind of had this knowledge of what we thought we were going to see and we saw it. And then we also gained this additional, I think if we had gone like 
within the first couple of months of trying to do this, it, it would have been so overwhelming and we would have just like not, <laughs> it wouldn't have been as productive. So right. that was the thing I always said. Other than that, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I've been really, I've been really happy with like the speed of our growth and like, it's just, it's been, yeah, it's been like totally doable. It's been fun. Yeah. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. I mean, it's been a lot of, a lot, a lot of fun, you know, and, yeah. um, that's, that's what JFF is all about. You know? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. That's just it's, for fun. Just, just for fun. fun. <laughs> that's our new casing that's coming. That's out. our new casing. <laughs> nice. It's affordable. Yeah. So is there anything that any, like, anything you learn new about tires in, in the process that you, you didn't consider before? Yeah. I, I, the, that's so a, much. Uh, yeah, so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, a lot. we had a good, we had a good, like what's, what's a, a good... super deep nerd tire tire thing you, you had to learn along the way. <laughs> I think site siping that's probably, okay. that's been a pretty cool, uh, that was something that I didn't really consider, you know, this, uh, what we're talking about are those lines that you see on a lot of your treads and that they're, they're, uh, they're directional, you know, that matters whether they're put there for braking or for, uh, traction well, you know, rolling traction. So it's, it's, uh, uh, that was really fun to dive into. And, and, um, I had always, uh, um, wondered what those things were <laughs> um, for, for me it was like in the process when we were there and just kind of understanding the way the molds work and the way um yeah in particular the way the beads interface like the mold has has to be specifically made for a tubeless bead and mm -hmm. so i we were always like why don't you know, why can't they just modify the mold? Well, when you go and you see the mold, it's like this massive steel. It's amazing to look at. It's unreal. Oh my yeah. God. How, how that's really, that's what, that's what you're paying for. It's, yeah. I mean, they're, I would, they're, I would, I would estimate that thing's got to be at least a ton. Is oh, they're just yeah, really yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And, yeah, and yeah. Um, the machine and it's machined that, out of there. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. tread is. So yeah, that was like one of those things that I was like, why, you know, like, I don't understand why all these companies have these, great tires but they don't do a tubeless version well right. because you have to make a whole new mold for the tubeless whole version and the yeah, molds are yeah. really expensive so you can't just tweak yeah it's very hard to change something once it's set in the mold you know and so it's yeah, yeah it's just uh you know and yeah it's everything it's the tire the casing everything is pressed by that final vulcanizing process that makes it either tubeless or tubed yeah. <laughs> right so yeah yeah there's, there's a lot to and i think the first the Right when we first were talking about doing a tire, we sat down. And I'm, I'm, uh, I still stand by this that downhill mountain bikers know more about tires than just oh my god. They are, they, <laughs> they are the they are the true tire nerds. They all have their own special set of knob clippers. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> that they just keep in their back pocket. They may start clipping knobs on the trail side, you know, just because yeah. they're not happy with what they're running. And wow. so we had we had a we had a, a suspension tech, uh, uh, Anthony Diaz in Durango, Colorado. Yeah, um, he's got a Mohawk. Um, and so does his logo. He's a real, but he's also, but you know, he's not just a punk. He's a tire nerd. He's got, he, he gave us a crash course about three years ago, three or on four durometer years ago, and like, everything we wanted to know. He, he brought out the whiteboard and told us. And yeah. so we said, we said, well, if you ever, if you ever, uh, you ever want to get on a 
dirt road drop bar bike. Um, we got tires for you. He just and laughed. He just no laughed care. us out of the room. <laughs> Here's the door, boys. <laughs> care less. <laughs> nice. <No way. laughs> cool. Well, I think so. I'm going to open it up to uh, to video questions for you guys, uh, Patreon supporters in the Zoom room. If you got questions for uh, Ron or, or Pat's, uh, raise a little blue hand. And uh, if you guys have questions in the YouTube chat, uh, type away, and I'll uh, I will I will forward them over. So any okay, we've got a couple questions here. Oh, uh, Alyssa, okay, I think you're unmuted. Okay. Hey guys, Hi. how's it going? Hey, Good. how are you? <laughs> I uh, I don't know if this was covered already. I was kind of back and forth, uh, paying attention, doing other stuff, but I was curious to know your thoughts about running two different width tires in front versus back and my second question is uh for ron what brought you back to rim, uh, rim brakes ah these are wonderful questions well should, should i let you answer the first now yeah answer I'll, the second? I'll answer That's the first it. so yeah we i we really like running a little bit wider tire up front and then a, a little narrower in the back um you know, I, I think that there's a limit, like you don't want to do it just a giant front tire and the, the really narrow rear tire, because it's going to offset the geometry of the bike a little bit. But um, within a few millimeters, I think it's, we've done it a, a number of times. It's nice because it, it further gives you that cushion on the front wheel. Um, and so, and you have, because it's larger, you have a little bit more grip through the corners. Um, so I did it, I ran a, an S-Works um, fast track on the front, like a big 2.1 for a while before we had a tire company. And then I ran like a Bruce Gordon rock and road in the back, which was a little bit narrower. And I really liked that combo. That was a really nice combo. Um, the Bruce Gordon is like pretty decent on the road. Um, and that fast track up front was like, I ran that in Tucson for like a training camp for basically two weeks. And it was super rugged. It's basically the Arizona trail. We just rode every day and that, that setup was, was great for it. So yeah. Yeah. You, we, you often, yeah, you oftentimes have the, have much more tire clearance in your front than you do in the rear. And so that's a great way to stuff some suspension in. Now we should note that our tires, when you pair the Cava with the Rosé that we made sure that uh, because there are a lot of people out there, some deep heavy nerds out there that are that have a problem with uh um you know with changing the geometry of the bike right. and uh and so we made sure that our cava and rosé both had the same effective outside diameter which actually gives the rosé up front slightly less volume than the cava because the cava doesn't have any tread but effective outside diameter is the same um when we do make a mountain bike tire we always i think that we will definitely encourage people to run that 2.2 or 2.3 whatever it ends up being with the kava in the rear and i think that'll be a really cool combo yeah that's one of the things we love about tires is just like you just kind of experiment yeah, a little fun. bit yeah, yeah you can change your bike so much with just yeah. swip, swapping around it changes the way the bike the one bike can feel completely different depending on you know what you run so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so, so wrong, uh, why why rim brakes <laughs> <laughs> i feel you know I, I was, I bought into disc brakes wholeheartedly. I really bought into them. Okay. And I've always thought of myself as, you know, I'm not affected by the bicycle industry, right? You know, like I like to do my own thing, you know, and, and yet the bicycle industry taught me, I told me I needed disc brakes and I, I bought in, 
And so there I was just going along with it for maybe like four years or so. Okay. And then uh, two summers ago, I have a, uh, a Rivendell Sam Hillborn um, and uh, I have uh, some Paul uh, Neo Retros cantilevers on there. And I did the, um, we did the uh, um, uh, BAMP to uh, somewhere in Montana. Where do you live, Russ? Missoula. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I think we ran into you guys. <laughs> yeah. We did BAMP to Missoula. Uh, and I was like, you know, oh, yeah, this is like a heavy duty mountain bike trail and you're going to be loaded and whatever. Or it's not a heavy duty mountain bike trail, but you know what I mean? It's it's a trip. It's a off road. You're going to be doing a lot. There's a lot of elevation gain and you're going to be descending fast and it's going to be wet conditions. All the stuff that they say you need disc brakes for. Right. And so what I found was the contrary. I hadn't ridden. I hadn't. And I, that bike was something that I committed to the entire summer because we were also filming California gold directly beforehand. And so the, for California gold, if you haven't seen it, it's probably the best <laughs> film. I mean, it's a, it really, that's really what bought this palace here. You should watch it. Uh, and uh, anyway, it's a small super eight film that we did a few years ago. It was cool. But anyway, it, the, the rule was no disc breaks on the film because I wanted everything to have a certain look. And, um, I think, uh, 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 so anyway, on that, on that ride and also it was three months on that bike, nothing but rim brakes. I usually switch bikes all the damn time. Uh, and so I just was and so impressed with the modulation and the, the, the feedback of the brakes, how the, um, the returns felt, you know, it, there's no mush to it. It was, I was able to really control my speed. Uh, much more than I can with a, a cable actuated or even a hydraulic disc for that matter. And uh, the simplicity of the system um, uh, and I, I deep mud, you know, wet, I just never had an issue. And I was like, what's the deal here? And I've, I've ridden cantilevers that are terrible. I really, and there are a lot of them out there that are terrible. A lot of the low profile ones have no power whatsoever in my opinion. And so they, they really have like poorly set up cantilevers uh, poorly set up rim brakes in general, or just poorly designed, um, have have just wreaked havoc on the the uh, you know the, um, the reputation of a rim brake. And so um, uh, so moving and also the 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 aesthetics of the bike. Everyone I think will agree that a rim brake just has a more um, elegant look to it. There's nothing protruding. It's they're not trying to stuff cables where they're not supposed to go. Um, and you can make it, a nicer fork. Yeah, you can the make a much big deal. Oh, that's yeah. where we're getting to. And the fork—that's the biggest thing, right? <laughs> and when you're fork. riding, when you're riding an all-steel bike, which is what Patrick and I prefer, um, you have uh, you the the testing standards warrant you to have a fork that's so overbuilt that it just becomes like it weighs as much as the frame, if not more. Uh, you can shave a pound or more off of the fork because it has to deal with those the stressing forces of the disc brake because you're always that or with a, a raked fork in particular that disc brake mm -hmm. is always trying to unrake your fork essentially even with through axle it's still just trying to bend against your your what's supposed to be it's most most of the time it's just a fashion statement now but on a rim brake bike that's cushioning you know that's built into the bike as a shock absorber and so you're completely negating that um, you're getting a much harsher ride. And when you're really tuning into the tires and uh, all of the other, um, all the other components that you've set up for that optimized ride, and then you put on a, a four pound steel fork, 
with no give to it whatsoever, or for that matter, you know, a five, I don't know how much those envy forks cost when you're a huge, I don't want to, no names dropping here. You can race that. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> still, you like you. I mean, every single custom bike has a damn envy fork on it. I mean, right. why aren't these builders making forks? You know, it's, right. a it's a big liability to make forks, I will admit. But, you know, it's, it's just uh, the fork is so important, you know, and I want uh, a fork that flexes and you're not going to get that with, not going to get that safely with a disc fork. Um, and a, part of this is a visceral reaction to the component design that we're seeing from the big makers right now. Um, I just want to go as far away from that as I possibly can as a statement to say that, no, you're not turning bicycle, you're not turning cycling into some, you know, some like robotic thing that we do like on these strange like cyborg machines you know I mean, like you're not is, on zwift <laughs> yeah right <laughs> too much sweating not enough glisten, right <laughs> it's hard it's hard to glisten on zwift it's, it's just very hard <laughs> <laughs> okay we got, question, great, we got a question we got a question here from uh steve Thanks for the question steve you are uh unmuted i think unmute steve, yeah there we go technology hey guys uh thanks for the entertaining conversation um as a as a, a young man who's maybe the combination of ronnie and nams in weight uh i'd like to know what you uh, what your thoughts are on uh on the like the casing uh design and thread count uh, loaded versus unloaded and also what your thoughts are on optimal rim width for your tires. Mm, good questions. Good questions. Really good questions. That's um, <clears throat> so we have a new casing coming in June. That's kind of going to be like our, it's going to be in the middle between our race casing, which is our super light unprotected. Um, our, it's our most supple casing. And higher our, than you can count with threads. Yeah. Our, and our, our Robusto casing, right? Our Robusto casing we designed for really rugged terrain where you were more likely to slice the sidewall. Um, so it had some protection in, in the sidewalls um, just to kind of guard against those slashes that kind yeah. of ruin, ruin. No, no protection, no protection on the top, just on the sidewalls, you know, tubeless, tubeless has, has pretty much made, um, uh, uh, tread uh, reinforcement, a thing of the past. You know, that's something that you would do to stop thorns from going in or some, it's, it's yeah. the sidewall where you see a lot, where you always see these tires fail. Right. So um, the Robusto we, we, we designed to kind of be, like I said, for really rugged, like we had um, a friend of ours do the Atlas mountain race, which is just like really gnarly, rocky gravel and trail. Um, and we also wanted a tire that was a little bit, stronger, more robusto for touring, you know, um, for loaded touring. And, um, this middle casing that we're, we're going to have is going to be kind of, it, we wanted something that kind of like balanced them out a little bit, um, was an option that is a little bit more durable on the sidewall. Um, it doesn't have protection, but it's a little thicker layer of rubber on the sidewall for, um, just a little, little more rugged riding. Um, it's not quite as fragile as the race compound <laughs> sidewalls. Um, and, but, you know, it was important to us that it's a, it's a little bit of a little more lively tire than the Robusto. The Robusto, because of the protection on the sidewall, it, the, the casing doesn't quite flex as much as, I mean, ne not nearly as much as the race. Um, so we wanted something that was like 
definitely like right in the middle. So what we got is a tire that basically is, it's close to the same weight as the Robusto, um, but it has a closer ride to the race. It's not quite as supple as the race, um, but it's, it's kind of right in the middle. And that's what I would recommend for, for someone that's like, I mean, I don't know if you're going to do touring or not, but, um, that casing we have coming is what I'd recommend. Otherwise, um, you know, uh, it just, it depends a lot on what you're riding. You know, if you're riding, um, I mean, I think it just depends. Like if you're riding really rugged stuff, I don't know where you live, but, um, then I would err on the safer side of getting the Robusto. Um, and really, you know, a lot of it depends upon your, yeah, where you're riding, your riding style, you know, are you somebody who, who gets flats on the reg or, or are you someone, you know, that's, we all know those types, every ride you go out with, you know, that, yeah. that's, that's yeah, what's I mean, been it, real, you know, that, that's, what's been really great about this whole process is that Jan already took care of that for us. You know, he made, <laughs> he, he started a whole culture on people being proud of their flat tires because yeah. that, that's, that, that's, that showed the world that you were, you were pushing the envelope, you know, yeah. you're pushing the envelope. They're you might not have going. the skill just, you might not have the skill just yet you know, but you're, you're, but you're aspiring and it's character building those flat repairs. And so, you know, the, it's, it's all about, you know, sure. You know, if you're weighing a little bit more, you're running a little bit, you're running a, you know, more tire pressure. And so someone, the weight of myself and noms together (laughs) in truthful, I'm 170 noms is, so you're 270 about that's a, it's a big, that's, you know, that's, that's entirely robusto. I wouldn't recommend uh, the race casing for somebody over like 210 or so. The, the hard um, thing, the hard thing is when you air the, the race casing up, when you, add, you know, when you add pressure into the race casing, um, you're actually, it's kind of funny because it's, it, you're more prone to flat because the tire doesn't deform mm-hmm. as much when it hits sharper, rougher right. objects. And it, it, you're more prone to just like tear the tire up. Um, I guess that negate, I guess there's, I guess there's a balance between the actual rider's weight and how much they're making that tire flex at a certain PSI, but yeah, we could really split some hairs here. I would really, you know, it's, it's all about if you're confident, I, we all say, if you're, if you're the type of person who goes and doesn't get a lot of flats, uh, um, you know, you dance around rocks, you don't run into them. That's then you, you're race casing all the way. Someone like Taylor Finney, for example. Yeah. I can't tell we, of course he's on, he's on the flow, you know, he, he gets whatever he wants. He's, you know, ex pro, um, you know, very handsome guy. Uh, he's big, you know, he's about two ten. Uh, who knows what he is now. He hasn't, he's been stuck in Spain this whole lockdown yeah. seven weeks without riding. He could be two fifty by now. Uh, so, <laughs> and he's you know, aggressive. He, he rides aggressive. aggressive. He rides aggressive. If you remember him at dirty Kanza last year, I don't remember how many, I think he had five flats, something oh. like that. We, our entire team was on, of course we weren't necessarily racing, but our entire team was on uh, prototype uh, um, race casing and we didn't suffer any flats. And so, uh, you know, it, it, uh, Taylor gets on our tires on our race casing now and yeah. he's, he, he brings them back in ribbons after every ride. You know, <laughs> I just tell him like, you are not certified. You can't, you, you are not allowed to ride these tires, but he wants the gray color and he gets them for free. So he keeps, keeps shredding them. So, so, so why don't you, why don't you address his, his second question was a good one. Why don't you address the optimal rim width for, for optimal rim width, 48 um, millimeter tires? 
Uh, that's a good question. It's a hard one. It's a really good, it's a really good question. It's a hard one. I, I, I think that this is really interesting right now because, you know, there was, um, again, uh, during my disc break days, uh, yes, back, um, they, I was running, I was, I was running some really, really wide rim widths, you know, um, um, inner diameters of, you know, 30 millimeters and more. Uh, and so, uh, on, on a, on a tire that would be, you know, 48 millimeters or so. And, uh, I, I thought initially thought the profile was pretty cool, you know, and a lot of, uh, interestingly enough, a lot of top manufacturers now are making these really wide rims. Yeah. Uh, the the specialized, the new specialized revolves revolves are so wide. They're yeah, yeah. super wide. I think they're well, it's a nice, it's a really nice wheel. And they're still like, they're like, thir it's like 1300 grams for the wheel set. And, yeah. and they're like, they're like 32 millimeters internal or something. I think right? it's either 30 or 32 millimeter internal. It's pretty, it's yeah, they're pretty wide. And, pretty they're, wide. and they're marketing those for 42 and above, like some pretty narrower. I mean, it's there. It's so anyway, I, I think that, that, yeah, that you do get some, you know, you do get the full, you know, you get a, an interesting profile. It's nice to corner on something like that. You're not going to get the squirm that you, the unpredictable, some people would say unpredictable squirm that you get out of uh, running a narrower rim width. But uh, um, the downside is it really exposes the sidewalls. And when you're running a light tire and you have, uh, um, there really isn't any sort of, a, a, it's just stretched out to its max and you're not, you know, when you're rolling on the top of the tire and you're cornering a little bit, there's a, uh, you know, there's a certain risk of, of, of coming onto the sidewall with your actual, um, uh, sidewall, <laughs> you see my hands, the sidewall is actually <laughs> when you're cornering the side, because it's so the, because of the profile of the tire you're actually cornering on the sidewall and not on the actual mm. tread. Yeah. And so it, it, it makes it, uh, so the sidewall, a light tire, it becomes particularly vulnerable um, in a scenario like that. And you lose a bit of suspension in the rim, I feel, uh, or in, in the whole setup. I like a little bit of squirm. Just like I like to run really light tubing on my steel bikes. I like to have a slightly narrower rim width that's going to allow the tire to uh, squirm a little bit and have some um, dynamic suspension, not just up and down, but... <laughs> But so, so if we were, if we were to give you a number, I'm saying mm -hmm. like 23 to 25 millimeter mm -hmm. internal, hmm. you're saying narrower Benedict, you like a 21 millimeter internal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, uh, I, uh, you're you not going to commit. I don't I'm see not gonna, a commitment. I'm, I, I, out of I'm not going to commit, but I'm not going to say no to a 20. I think, I think that that you could build a really nice light rim with that. And you can have some real lateral suspension, which you're not going to get with a really wide rim. And so uh, when you're running a low tire pressure and you're getting some squirm, uh, they're building it into those zip, those weird new zip rims that you've, some people may have seen that have the, have like a, like this, I don't know. I wonder what, what those, I wonder what the, have you looked at the internal width on those? I haven't seen. It doesn't matter the internal width. It, it has, it, it's built in to have the rim actually flex and it flexes yeah. in all these funky ways. It's kind of like a motocross thing. thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Huh. yeah. 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 They were on the Radivus not long ago. Hmm. Want to look it so, up if you want to look it up. Uh, two, two quick questions. Uh, one mm -hmm. from the YouTube chat. Aaron Vasquez asks, uh, what's a good tubeless rim brake rim? <laughs> uh the velocity quill is my personal favorite velocity quill okay um yeah yeah cool um, and uh i think i'll close out with, with one last question um it's 
it sounds like you're a fan of 90s mountain biking, you know, gravel's a thing now. What is that line between gravel and 90s mountain biking? Like, at what point do you say this tire uh, stops becoming a gravel bike tire and, you know, should be on a mountain bike? Um, on a mountain bike or a 90s mountain bike? Well, you know, that I, I, I'm going to get on a, there's going to be a bit of a soapbox here, Russ. <laughs> I, my, I think the, 20, see that the, the, yeah, the 2020s are all about reclaiming mountain biking. Okay. Uh, I know that Anthony Diaz, the guy who taught us how to design tires, isn't listening here. He's, he's off lifting weights or listening, listening to, listening to Hoobastank. Uh, and um, so he, he's, uh, uh, um, you know, Mountain biking has become, well, mountain biking, mark my words, mountain biking will be absorbed by the e-bike market. E-mountain bikes are going to be huge. They already are huge. They're huge all over Europe. Uh, that's how you take the chairlift out of the equation on enduro runs, and you're able to just e-up and send it down. And so pedaling isn't necessarily a, uh, um, a concern when it comes to modern mountain bike design. So um, I, I will say that a modern mountain bike is just an electric dirt bike. And uh, um, reclaiming the mountain bike is something that is going to be post gravel. Okay. Mm. We're going to see people get really disenchanted with these boring gravel races and want a little bit more of an adventure. Um, if you look back to, again, mountain bike racing in the, in the nineties, we even had, uh, what was it? Uh, Lincoln, uh, not Lincoln Mercury tour of the Rocky, not tour of the Rockies. That was like a stage race that they did. And for mountain biking, things like that, you can, but these mountain bikes were just, were essentially shit gravel bikes back then. <laughs> like they're, they weren't good. And so you, you have, like, we have like any, like the bike that I ride on the road like what I would consider like my road bike right now is a more capable mountain bike than those things were. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so you, you, we're going to have a really, really fun um, kind of a mashup of it's, it's and it's going to be led by the drop bar, like the wide drop bar. Uh, you know, we're widening, widening up our drop bars and putting fat tires on our drop bar bikes. You ride to the trailhead, you ride gravel roads to the trailhead, you get to the single track, you rip the single track, you get on a little bit of road on the way home or you know, vice versa. You know, it's just mixing all of that stuff in or you're doing a ride that's, you know, all dirt and single track, like way out in the middle of nowhere. And, you you know, and that's that's like your racing scenario now, you know, and so mm -hmm. it's uh, I think we're going to see the tires get wider still. And um, again, I think, I think it's uh, really exciting to imagine the kind of stuff that you can put together when you have, uh, you know, not only you have these bikes evolving, but you also have GPS. So you're able to actually find the stuff and not get lost <laughs> out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I got lost in that answer. <laughs> <laughs> we're reclaiming mountain bikes it was fun though Barry. i, I can listen to you talk i have yeah. a so, yeah, so, have. Uh, <laughs> so what do you guys think of suspension on gravel bikes i get this question asked a lot like wait, uh, are you excited by the the nine ram cr or no low fork it's now disgusting yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's really dumb so, sorry it's, i don't it's mean all, that it's all, you know it's, it's 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 absolutely disgusting it's it's intriguing <laughs> don't get i don't get me wrong i think people people you know engineers need to need this like stuff a, to it's like a yeah it's like a train yeah. train train crash you can't you gotta train, look at it but it's just like, what are they doing why what I, what I find so fascinating is like uh specialized for example with the future shock i had one 
I, I wrote it once and then sold it on eBay. Uh, that was part of my pay. And so the, but I had to know what it was like. Right. And so you have, a, you have this weird thing that's built into your head tube. Okay. And you can't take it off. It's mm -hmm. on there. Okay. Like I, you know, I'll look on eBay for like bikes that are like 20 years old. They're still great if they're a steel, normal ass bike. Right. And you put fat tires and drop bars on it and it's a gravel bike. But this bike in particular um, is not, this is not only this bike. You look at what's that one, what's the Canyon one with those, those like yeah, the grail bars, <laughs> the grail bars. I wrote, I've ridden one of those too. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's these, these, these solutions are app are fixing uh, problems that didn't exist. If you yeah. just rode a 26, 0.0 clamp handlebar first off then you have suspension <laughs> <laughs> or you just or you just ran nice tires with nice proper tires pressure with right. proper pressure that's suspension you don't yeah. you know if you're running a, a you know a, an oversized handlebar 700 by 35 pumped up to 65 70 psi then yes you're going to need a little squishy thing on your stem <laughs> exactly yeah so i i think like a core a core a core thing to us with bikes is just simplicity mm -hmm. and you know celebrating like the beauty of bikes you know and and we look at every aspect of the bike like that you know and every part that goes on a bike we kind of look at in that regard and and mm -hmm. and when I see those images, it just my blood starts to boil. It, like yeah. it's like yeah, it's, so I mean, it's a, it's a it's a yeah, it's it's like a band aid on a solution that right. I mean, it's a band aid on a problem that was like solved yeah, maybe it may ago. have been a problem, but it solved you know you unsolved that problem first, and now you have to resolve it and just just to market your shit, just to yeah. sell more stuff. Like that's it. You've got to change it. Like you've the... got to make that bike like you got to make that bike just like your iPhone, you know, in three years, you got to get another one. Yeah. I feel like the, in some ways the bike industry has put itself in the corner, uh, in particular, the, the, the road racing and because mm -hmm. every year, every new bike is lighter and stiffer, lighter mm -hmm. and stiffer. And at some yeah. point, you know, you're riding a concrete block and now with gravel, <laughs> you know, stiffer <laughs> isn't necessarily good. Yeah, so like, good. They, they, <laughs> now they have to backpedal and do things yeah. like integrated suspension or full suspension. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious, like in, in the next couple of years, if we'll see the end of lighter and stiffer and, you know, them trying to build in more compliance somehow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that, I think that there's, you know, we talked about like roadie 2.0, like the roadies that are coming into it, they want to spend money on stuff and they mm -hmm. have been ingrained, it's ingrained in them in some regard to like, look for the brand new thing every season and spend a bunch of money on something that the industry is telling them is the greatest thing on the planet, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think yeah, we're going to continue yeah. to see it because there's not a lot of original ideas coming out of the big, the big industry, the big movers yeah. in the industry. You know, the, right. The, no, every, the, everyone looks at the small brands. Yeah. It's really interesting. <laughs> and that's what happened with that was, that was mountain biking too, you know, yeah. it's uh, and, and so hopefully we're able to keep this cottage industry thing going for yeah. gravel for sure. or in a gravel 2.0 when we move on to actual 
original mountain biking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about you know what uh, what Ron, what you've been able to do, what you guys have been able to do with the tires. Like, I mean, you've you guys have wagged the dog, you know, to some extent, especially with the handlebars. You know, oh, initially thanks. when yeah. the the bars, your the, the wide drop bars came out, that was a complete anomaly, and now <laughs> all the big brands have their, their version of it. <laughs> some of them not committing, you know, as large, but everyone. Some of them have. I've been surprised. A lot of them have committed even more so. Seven fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I can't, you know, I've had to actually come back from my 67s and I ride 61s now. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, up, I think, uh, I, I see people who are like five foot five on 750s and you're like, whoa, that's a, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that, that's fun. It's fun. You know, that, that's the, that's the cool part is just to be able to have, to be able to have these things and have those options. Right. And, and, right. you know, if you're, if you like to tinker, a handlebar swap, I realize it, that's a tough one. You got to, if you're not a, you know, if you're a, an amateur mechanic, the hammer, handlebar swap, having to redo the cables, because when you go wider, inevitably, the worst is when you have hydro brakes and you got to go wider because you got to re-bleed the whole thing, got to do everything all new. Right. And uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun that people are doing it. I think that that's great. And it is. I mean, I don't, that was one of those things where like, why? are you riding these narrow bar? We're not riding on the road. Like, are you like winding up for a sprint in the Tour de France here? Is that what you're like? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, I think I'll uh, end the the stream here. Uh, thank you so much for, for being on the show. I know a lot of our uh, YouTube viewers are super into tires, super into the things that you guys do. Uh, so thanks again, Pat and uh, Ron for joining us. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this uh, content, consider supporting the channel on Patreon. We've got lots of fun live streams. And until next time, guys, uh, keep the supple side down. <laughs>